welcome to the Adelan Rising podcast. We're your hosts, Saren, Lynn, and Adam. And today we are talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We've got uh, Beta Ray Bill number one, Guardians of the Galaxy number 12, and Champions number five. Uh, so lots to talk about today. Um, how are you guys doing? Happy Easter. Happy Chocolate Easter. egg day. Chocolate egg day. <laughs> Chocolate egg day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got two pounds of Cadbury mini eggs waiting for me downstairs. The the Cadbury eggs, I find the caramel ones are superior to the cream eggs. See, I like the mini yeah. ones that are just chocolate, yeah, the, except the for the mouth cutting candy shell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. Do you have um? Do you have Smarties in the U.S.? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love Smarties. I yeah. currently am working my way through a bag of Kit Kats. <laughs> i've got i've had a uh a yorkie bar easter egg which i ate like tuesday so happy easter everyone Yay. <laughs> but yeah yeah so falcon winter soldier has been excellent so far yes it has i am very much loving the series um and again it's very much the uh the tonal successor to winter soldier more than civil war was i yeah definitely. oh yeah definitely i love it i am yeah. living for it <laughs> it's my favorite so far um but, but i mean yeah i mean i, I kind of uh, uh yeah the reason why we didn't do uh, an episode after uh, after episode two of falcon witness soldier was because of vaccinations and like i had a bad reaction to it <laughs> it, it kicked your ass i'm, I'm hearing, it kicked which, my ass which one did you get was it the second one or the first one uh it was it was the first one so um you know I, i'd much rather it kick my ass and i have a you know a reaction to it than get any real thing so that, you know it's that fine. means yeah. it's working um i'm yeah. surprised though usually most people i know have the it's the second dose that's kicking their ass not the first one yeah no i i had it so uh basically i just had a i had the chills so quite quite bad chills and then i couldn't get to sleep and then uh I, then i had a temperature so i woke up and then couldn't get to sleep so oh. i'm not be funny but four hours of lost sleep is is well worth it to be honest with yeah. you yes um which but one no, did yeah. you get uh, I just had the Oxford AstraZeneca one, so okay. yeah, happy with that. Um, next, uh, got my got my second one booked up for a couple of months' time. So, yeah, my dad gets his second Moderna shot tomorrow, and he is not looking forward to it. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm so glad that the vaccine is rolling out, but <laughs> it's just it's just annoying the uh, the the reactions to it. So yeah, it's, it seems like that. But don't people have similar reactions to the flu shot? I think so. Yeah. 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 yeah, just as a mobilizing or mobilizing rather your immune system, and then the second shot does it again, and your body keeps it and remembers it. I guess. Yeah, so. yeah, and uh, and yeah, I'm just I'm just really looking forward to now being vaccinated and being able to go out and do stuff and and enjoying life again. <laughs> <laughs> You're free. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, but, like. I'll, like the pandemic didn't change my lifestyle that much. I, I've <laughs> that's, been that's not the saddest in. thing I've heard today. <laughs> I know. So I'm saying they're like, I mean, I can get vaccinated and I will eventually, but I'm like, well, it's not really going to change how I live because. <laughs> I think I think for me the biggest thing that I miss is just music gigs. That's the biggest thing. I just I miss going down to London or going up to Cardiff or Bristol and and just watching bands and. Cons. Enjoying that I miss the cons. And, and Comic Cons, obviously. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that, I do miss that. Um, <laughs> most obvious one. Yeah. NYCC is back on for its normal dates this year, so 
I got to get vaccinated before then because I really that's would. that's bold. That is bold. I would like to go to NYCC. I'd definitely like to go to C2E2 this year, but I, I'm, you know, at the moment I'm questioning it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Right. I think uh, even even if it means that 2022, I can go out there and do all that sort of stuff. Go and see you guys, then that'd be good. But just, yeah, yeah, just just get vaccinated, guys. Go and get vaccinated. It's good um, for you. That's right. It opens up for us for us on Monday. That's really good, and um, you know, I, I'm 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 seeing really good things by the rollouts both here and and in the US, I believe. Yeah, the US rollouts uh, gearing up. Um, I know, still in New Jersey though, I'm not. They haven't opened up my age group just yet i don't think because i'm not one of the i don't know it's a weird thing like i don't quite qualify for it yet so but new jersey is also very densely populated so yeah i mean i mean here they're doing it in age groups and um like vulnerability levels if that makes sense yeah that's what they're doing here yeah so i mean they started off in the over 80s and they're now in the over 40s i believe somewhere in that region and um if you if you live with a vulnerable person then you can get it slightly earlier as well which is kind of how I got it. It's just, it's just, I'm really glad that it's rolling out well, but I just, like I said, want to get back to normality. I just really want to go to some gigs, see some bands and go to comic cons and all that sort of stuff. I think October uh, MCM is still scheduled to go ahead in London. So that might be the first comic con I'd go to after. Uh, I'd still wear COVID. a mask if I'm going to comic con. Yeah. I haven't decided yet, but if I do though, I'm still going to be wearing my mask. Like I'm not, yeah, I, and I think, I think a lot of people going to NYCC. Well, I wonder if the Javits mm-hmm. is on its own construction. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, use it as an accessory. I've got my Kirby heads mask. <laughs> I'm very always very happy to show off. I've just got I've just got my sad work mask. I so. <laughs> I got one mask my mother made me that fits my face very well because most masks are too big for me. I would very much love a Marvel themed mask for myself. I have not found one yet because I feel like they're all going to be too big or the kids ones are too small. I'm in that weird size. (sighs) Anyway, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, let's let's talk about that, shall we? (laughs) Let's. So, yeah, I mean, this this episode was particularly good. Uh, It's kind of opening up a little bit more world building, I thought. Um, it opened up with the, like that global repatriation council advert thing, which I think to somebody who hasn't gone through the snap, <laughs> it is the weirdest thing. Uh, yeah. And, you know, but then again, like I said, it is it is really what this show is doing great is uh, is adding to that kind of what happened after idea of stuff. Yeah. And uh, and this series just really has you think about like the real world implications. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's that weird because, you know, 50% of the population reappeared after five years. Right. Which gave yeah. all the systems time to adjust. So there really isn't enough to go around right now, especially if you're not in a rich country. Your house is gone. Your job is gone. Your bank accounts are probably gone because they thought you were dead and not coming back. 50% <laughs> of the world's population are essentially refugees. So I think it'd be weird if they didn't address it. It's It's a mess. It's a yeah. mess, and I'm not sure the the GRC is doing an, a good job. But you know, how much resources do they have of being able to do it? Yeah, so, I think I think sending Captain America in to deal with GRC stuff is a bit odd, you know. But I I think in terms of like it, it feels like a typical kind of Tony Stark thing <laughs> because it was his idea to make sure that everybody from the snap five years previous was was brought back. So I just kind of wonder if. If they'd gone kind of like it's, it's what we're trying to say. Yeah. A lot of resentment for bringing all these people back after they've had time to mourn for everyone. 
yeah, yeah, potentially. And I, I feel like it was, um, it was, it was Tony Stark for the one reason he didn't want to lose his daughter. And I think whilst that's incredibly, everybody can relate to that. It's also like, you know, is needs of the many versus needs of the few sort of thing. And it's kind of, it's, it's a weird conversation to get into, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it's definitely one that you can kind of sit and ponder. Oh, uh, it, it, you, you, when you have an infinity gauntlet, you got to be careful what you wish for. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you wish for all the systems to be back and everybody back in their house too. You know, not just let's bring everybody back where, from where they got snapped. Yeah, I, I, I want to bring everybody back and then I want them. Yeah, best because if you got burger. snapped in an airplane and that airplane's yeah. not, not there anymore. <laughs> oh my god, that's that's an excellent point, <laughs> right? You know all those kids. Who in um, homecoming like reappeared in the the gym? Yeah, yeah. but like, what if you were oh, in God. a fucking airplane and and you know? Well, that was that was one key airplane, thing that they said. That they, the airplane they said. Horrible, didn't disappear. But... It's all the people inside the airplane who disappeared. So... But there was one there was one key thing that they said to Hulk, which was uh, bring them back safely. So <laughs> was it didn't didn't the Russos basically confirm they were like no no they got brought back but they were like you know oh, at their destination <laughs> they were in the air by a dodgeball <laughs> right but it does They're make safe. you wonder though like 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 surely there was people like walking down roads and stuff yeah right. <laughs> it's what what I mean oh god they just just right and then you had like at the end wow. of at, at the at that cut scene at the end of infinity war you see like helicopters and shit falling into buildings because their pilots are gone like come on what about all those poor people that were in an airplane just go into like florida and you know they come back and they're in the middle of the freaking air because that airplane's not there anymore but i i think the uh i think the, the other the other implication of it is also the people that like basically suffered due to the complications of it like right. if, like like yep. you said about the helicopters and stuff you know right. going into the sides of buildings and yeah it's a mess yeah <laughs> the the entire thing just you yeah. you sit there thinking about it too hard your brain's going to hurt yeah so but in, interestingly enough I was talking to a friend of mine about like Captain America and you know ideals and all that kind of stuff and kind of why John Walker is not a good Captain America and one of the things in uh, the first Avenger was that Erskine picked Steve because he was a good man. You know, one of the examples was that he jumped on a grenade because he wanted to save people, whereas frigging Walker jumps on a grenade because he knows his helmet can withstand the force and he can get all of the glory and he can be the, you know, be the big man and all that sort of stuff. And he is such an egotistical ass. <laughs> <laughs> like he's got the biggest ego about everybody in that show. Uh, like literally because yeah. he's been given the ability to do these amazing things he's been given the equipment and there's just nothing selfless about him he even cancelled Bucky's therapy because it was yeah. inconvenient for him yes yeah. yes and I it... forgot about that yes that, that's like... not going to work out well no yeah I, I just <sighs> he's, he's poor, and poor Bucky like he sees he doesn't even see Bucky as a person at this point he's like this is an asset again which is poor Bucky like his whole his whole life, that's all he's been. He's never been a person to anyone, except for maybe Sam and Steve. And just, oh, he's such a dick. Yeah, and, it was just it was just that scene in episode three where he's just like, do you know who I am? And then he gets spat on and I'm like, ha! Yeah, ha! he doesn't have the respect that Steve did. Yeah, yeah. What about the super soldier serum being out in the world now? Because... Remember, That's a big thing. Yeah. It, it doesn't just make you super strong. It makes you more of what you are inside. 
So Steve was a good selfless guy to start out with. So that was amplified. That's why he was picked. Right. And then we, now we have Carly who took the super soldier serum and you know she started out as an idealist, but now she's kind of a radical blowing up buildings with people in them, which is yeah. kind of typical Marvel villain stuff. You start out with, hey, maybe maybe this guy has a point. Oh, oh, he just killed everybody. No, guess not. <laughs> oh, big no. boom. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. big I, boom. Was, I was I was kind of hoping like like Carly would be like, okay, maybe she's not really the villain here because she's helping all these people. No, she's definitely and, the villain. Yeah, yeah, that kind of that. And I was like, oh, that kind of made me sad though because I was sitting yeah. here like like she can was, still be redeemed though after that. Yeah, she she can. Um, I mean, I mean, just just one thing on on Carly though. I'm I'm so glad that they kind of took a you know they took Flag Smasher, Carl Morgan, so and like gender swapped him. I think it, it makes mm-hmm. an awful lot of sense because otherwise you've just got several characters that are basically the Red Skull. So I'm very glad they did that, and I'm very glad that they made made her that kind of idealist as opposed to just a straight up Nazi. I I was with her right up until she started blowing people up. <laughs> yeah to make yeah, a point it, yeah and i i think that was uh and that was hopefully the turning point for a lot of people because uh yeah don't don't blow people up don't blow innocent people up guys no <laughs> you have thanos you've mr there's not enough to go around i know i'll just kill everybody instead of making more stuff yeah <laughs> yeah 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 why didn't you use the infinity gauntlet to double the resources uh no <laughs> you, you, yeah. you've got killmonger and zemo uh, speaking of Zemo, I love Zemo, and he is quickly becoming one of my favorite Marvel villains. Just, just saying. Yeah, so he's a I mean, scene stealer. He really was. <laughs> so the the only the, uh, sort of followed on for the conversation I had with my friend uh, yesterday. The only thing that he didn't like, and I can kind of see, was um, the the change of tone for the prison break for Zemo, and because it, I mean I, I didn't find it jarring. I didn't particularly find it like. Um, particularly different from the rest of the episode, but he yeah. found it very much sort of like, you know, it felt like a bit of Ant-Man stuck in the middle of Falcon and the Witness Soldier. And I'm just kind of like, but that's that's sort of well, what the show yeah, is. Yeah, because yeah. You, can't, <laughs> you can't have Zemo get out and and be like, well, how did he get out? So you have Bucky's hypothetical yeah. and how actually <laughs> very brilliant it was um, to get him out. I mean, Zemo's no fool. So yeah. he's- I friggin' love Zemo. Just had to give him the opportunity. <laughs> Right, and Bucky gave him that opportunity to do it, and he he took it and ran. And what what really got me though was that Zemo went back to them anyway, which really floored me. I was like, man, if I was Zemo, I would have freaking hightailed it out of there and done my own shit, not met up with. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I they, think they've he got knows the that same goal. Goal yeah. for now. For now. Yeah, and I, I I I really like Zemo, and I really like Daniel Brawler's Zemo. And this episode had possibly my favorite most sequence of anything the mcu has produced and delivered yet and i'm sure you guys know exactly what it is um <laughs> zemo's little deeter dance <laughs> yes yes <laughs> that is that is honestly my most favorite piece of mcu anything ever produced it's it just him really... doing the little fist pump oh my uh, god uh, I, i'm watching i'm like i wonder if he was told to do that or if he looked at himself in the black turtleneck and was like, no, no, I'm going to dance like Dieter. Yes. <laughs> you know, it gives me, it, it gives me like, um, you know, uh, uh, 
Matt Rosenberg and uh, was it Travel Foreman? They did uh, Tales of Suspense and I think they do and the Punisher run. Yeah. And just the the kind of like the theme of it kind of made me feel of uh, Travel Foreman's artwork because there's like lots of really funny little subtle things in there. <laughs> I mean, obviously, this was a little bit less subtle, but it was just it, it just sort of captured that, and it really made me think of those books. But um, so good. I, I would like to point out how Zemo, how like I, I don't know if astute's the word, but there was that whole scene, and he did it again on the plane, but I don't remember that quote as well. But you have Sam in his oh, um, outfit. And he's like, I feel like a pimp. And Zemo's like, only in America is a fashion for a black man considered a pimp, or or something oh, along. He's going to get his, his teeth kicked in eventually for well, all of his expounding on the black experience. Yeah, but at the same time, you could see Sam like being sitting there and pausing and like trying to be angry at it. But he's like, he's not wrong. He's because he, he's not. Like there are some things Zemo said that. Sam wanted to disagree with, but he couldn't because oh, Zemo was right. Zemo gets in your head. That's his whole thing. Yeah. yeah. He's doing the same thing to Bucky and he's trying to put a wedge between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, I think this is an, a real uh, a real good eye-opener of like, if you want to talk about these kind of things, you're just going to go down a rabbit hole because like Zemo's yeah. opinion on uh, like super soldiers actually makes an awful lot of sense because it's like well what if you put that super soldier in the wrong hands and you get bucky um and yeah i i kind of i i really do love zemo and again it, it puts you in a difficult place because you're kind of like well i kind of agree <laughs> so <laughs> i'm i'm glad marvel didn't kill him off i'm glad they didn't kill off agatha because like Marvel has a habit of killing off their villains and I'm so glad that they haven't killed off these guys because I, I imagine if Loki and, and Zemo got together, man, the chaos that would ensue. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, uh, I mean, well, I was about to say, I don't know what Zemo would think about monarchies, but I mean, he's a baron. So, I mean, he must yeah. like, I, I think he's okay with it. I think he's fine with them. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think he rather enjoys it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, uh, I just want to say his fashion sense is spectacular. Oh my god! Yes, that I coat, need that like coat. They've got the coat. They've yes. got the coat. That is an oh. excellent coat. Can we also? Um, I would just like to um, just appreciate shirtless Anthony Mackie in this episode. <laughs> I'm just gonna say. I'm just gonna go out there and say. It. I was just like, yep, that's that's. Mm-hmm. That was very nice to look at. I appreciated it. I appreciate. We got to make sure that. they sneak one in. You know, <laughs> you, only, you only get time. one. You only get one. You get one. <laughs> And we didn't yeah. starve him and make him work out this much for you not to see that. Yeah. I can also, drink water again now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But also also Madripoor was in it. Like the the, the oh. city of Madripoor was there. It's an excellent choice. And uh, oh, to quite a to quite a famous Jedi, and I had to research this quote because I'm not a Star Wars fan, a big Star Wars fan. <laughs> you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. That's that's it. That's, I'm done with my Star Wars quotes. They did a fantastic job with it, though. Yeah, I love like yeah. the cyberpunk theme mm-hmm. of Madripoor, and also I would like to point out that there was the sign for the Princess Bar. Um, that was a fun little Easter egg. Mm-hmm. I got very excited about that. So it's the hopefully we Marvel Comics Mad- Cantina. Yes, yeah. and hopefully, hopefully, uh, we we revisit that in the future. I don't. I feel like Madripoor is too good of a city to waste for just one. No, this is this is where the bad guys go. Yeah, 
And and speaking of of that kind of like uh, this is again me probably nerding out a little bit too much, but talking about like geography and stuff, um, the fact that they mentioned that Sokovia basically doesn't exist anymore; it was cannibalized by its neighbors. Like that was a really interesting kind of extra world building element on it, and yeah. basically. Uh, Zemo in in himself is stateless now because he, technically speaking, doesn't have a country to go back to, which is quite a nice, he's interesting. Baron of thing. absolutely nothing. Yeah, he's still got the money though. <laughs> yeah, he's still got his like fantastic cars <laughs> and his plane with the fridge. It doesn't work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anything that looks like it's uh, not so good, give it to these guys. <laughs> But I mean, speaking of references and all that kind of stuff, uh, I'm I'm really loving the continual like kind of Thunderbolt re- uh, references to Thunderbolt characters. Like Smiling Tiger was referenced in this one. This is the guy that um, that Sam was impersonating, um, and he was a, a former member of the Thunderbolts from the comic books. And whether or not Marvel are heading towards a Thunderbolt Ross created team, I don't know. But I just I just love the reference. I would give it some time because I think it's going to happen. Yeah, but I mean, the the funny thing is, actually, I was, I was sort of like researching former Thunderbolt uh, members, and they've probably got a roster just as big as the Avengers at this point. So, <laughs> so there's an awful lot of characters, good and bad, that have been on the Thunderbolts. But yeah, so the the other thing uh, that I quite enjoyed was the fact that they used uh, Wilfred Nagel as the scientist, um, which is quite a good reference to the guy from the 616 universe that was tasked with like recreating the serum from Isaiah and he was experimenting on Isaiah and it was, it was all pretty grim. But I'm assuming they're using him because they can't use Carl Magus, um, who is the more commonly associated with the uh, <clears throat> with the power broker than, uh, than Wilfred Nagel. And I suppose it's just because they're adding more Captain America history to the show for for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's um, Carl Malus. It is Malus. Yeah, Malus. Sorry, I, uh, for some reason I've written down Magus. I think I've got, uh, yeah, I've got the Magus on the mind. Right. <laughs> Need to read some more Cosmic Marvel, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, Sharon appeared. That was great. That I love Cranky great. Sharon. Cranky yeah. <laughs> Sharon is the best. Uh, yes, and she has every right to be cranky. My question is, though, it sounds like she's been on Madripoor for years. So, but my question is, is that um, I thought she was on the list of the people who had gotten dusted, like back in, um, I think, Endgame. Or, uh, I thought she was, she was one of the people. I that think that got was a dusted. good, I think that was a good excuse to go off the grid. Yeah. Yeah. That was her opportunity. And she took it. She did a really yeah. good job of it because she, she's, so it, it seems like she's been on Madripoor for the last five years hiding. So, um, and everyone thought she was dusted and she's not, which is. Really good because there's no way she could set up the operation she has within like six months of coming back. There's like no way. So yeah, I, I I just I still hate the I still hate the Sokovia Accords. I still think they're I still think they're dumb, especially after Endgame. I think they just become redundant. Like right, surely surely the heroes have shown exactly why. <laughs> right, and if Sam was forgiven, how come Sharon hasn't been? Exactly, yeah, and and that's that's kind of what annoys there's me. There's a but... double standard for powered and non-powered people, even though he technically doesn't have powers. Right. Yeah. And she's, yeah. you know, Peggy Carter's granddaughter. Yeah. So come on. Um, but uh, I did, you know, in that scene in the little uh, art gallery. Yes. Where all the real paintings are. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I did like Sam's reaction because he, he has that Captain America innocence. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Where he's just yeah. so shocked. And he Googled it and he's like, what? Yeah. what? <laughs> right. Yeah. 
poor Sam. And that scene in the, like, when he gets the call from Sarah with Selby. Mm-hmm. And he, he, poor Sam, I thought he was going to be good at it. And no, no, no well, the ba- it doesn't help that the bad guys have good hearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, also Selby was a, um, uh, an actress who'd also been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Was she, who was she in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? She, uh, well, she played a, one of the doctors, but I can't remember who it was. Oh, I like her though. She was fun and sad they killed her too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she was, she was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was interesting. It was making sure I've done my homework on this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but going back to Sharon, I don't think uh, we're done with her yet. Like, if she only gets one episode, I'll be pissed. But she's clearly up to something because she's like, after they leave, she's like, we've got a problem. I've seen people speculating she's the power breaker. I don't think she is. I, I, I don't think she is either. That because, would be I so mean, out of character. Yeah, yeah it would. Yeah. And, I, and I, think, I think the power broker is such a, a good character in their own right. Yeah, it would be a shame not to have them a character in their own right, and it would be a shame personally to have Sharon Carter become the power broker because he's not a nice guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't think Sharon is, but I think she's, you know, because Madripoor doesn't allow extradition, so I think she's kind of playing by the rules um, and taking care of herself. So, but we'll see how much she plays by the rules now. I'm intrigued to see what Sharon's up to. Yeah, I think she's she's uh, she's definitely there to follow uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I mean, uh, and and Zemo. I expect. I, I imagine that yeah. the Americans have got their eyes on Zemo or or some sort of. Uh... Oh, that was funny though because she's like, "I stole the wings for your ass, to save his ass." <laughs> <and> his ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she she's great, and I I like unlike you, I really hope that it's not the last we've seen of her. I don't think it is. I think you're right. There's she's she's up to something, and she's gonna be back. But yeah. Sharon Doing what? deserves her due, um, and she's she deserves she deserves her pardon. Yeah. Well, she just deserves to have more of a role in the MCU as a whole. Anyway, I feel like I feel like she's been shafted, and uh, I would love to see more of Sharon. I love her. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then I, I guess uh, the the sort of the final few scenes of the the show was basically Flag Smasher blowing up that building, and I find it quite interesting because. Um, uh, the actress is seems to be of typecast now, because <laughs> this is the second thing that she's been a uh, a, a, a leader of a rebel group. Because uh, she was the leader of a group in uh, Solo. Yes. Oh yeah, wasn't she in? Wasn't she in something else too? Not just Solo. She was in another show. Uh, um, I think she was. Was it Game of Thrones? Potentially, I don't know. I, I think mean, it was Game of Thrones. Um, bit interesting enough. She was in a. <laughs> She was in a really small Channel Four comedy here in the UK uh, called Raised by Wolves, which was funny. Um, she was only in it for like six episodes, but she was super young at that point and just friggin' hilarious. So yeah, Erin Kellyman is the actress, and I want to. Yes, yeah. Oh, she's she's going to be in Willow in twenty twenty two. Are they remaking Willow? Really? According to IMDb, they are. Well, bam. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, and she's she's doing really well for herself. I mean, she's coming from come from. Oh, you know, it's gonna be TV. Oh, TV. Yeah, okay, that's good. Uh, Warwick Davis is gonna be in it, reprising his role. <laughs> What's it gonna be like a, a sequel or continuation or? It's no, it's a t- TV adaptation of the fantasy film. Oh, it's like an extended version of Willow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's talk about that very last scene. Well, between Bucky and uh, Ao. Is it Ao or Io? I I I have only really read that one. I don't think I've ever heard it said aloud. So, 
I don't know either, but uh... um, but yeah, she she turned up. She's following Bucky. I think Bucky. I think Bucky. Uh, is she following Bucky, or did Bucky be like she left him? She left the beads for him. She left the yeah. She left her uh, little breadcrumbs. Hidden beads that beep. Yeah, because yeah. Bucky's gonna be able to hear them thanks to Super Soldier Serum. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, it's nice to see her back actually, because um, she was the one that went to Black Widow in Civil War. Uh, yeah. Move or you will be moved. Yes. So <laughs> I just I like her. I like her too, and she was also I think in Black Panther. She is. Yeah. I I didn't recognize yeah. her in the Dora Milaje outfit. Yeah, the, she's in, in the first time Infinity she shows War up. Well. She's in the black dress. Right. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, she was. That's her. I love that they carried her through. Yeah, and she's been. She's really been a constant actually because she was in. I'm, I'm from off memory. I think she was in Infinity War and in the Endgame as well. Yeah. So, she's been there. She's been there, but um, I think everyone sees Okoye, 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 um, more than than Ayo, Ayo, and uh, I'm glad she's. I'm glad she's back. She's gonna. She's yeah. fun. Yeah, every picture of the Dora Milaje, Okoye's in front, and she's one step behind her. Yeah. 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 She's almost like a right hand, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, but it's it's great. I mean, I I love how much this show is tying into all the different parts of uh, the parts of the MCU. I mean, you got, you know, the links to Wakanda because obviously Bucky spent his time there and he, you know, got his uh, brainwashing taken out there and links back to Civil War, links back to Winter Soldier for obvious reasons. It's, it's really good. I love it. Um, speaking about linking back to Winter Soldier, I'm going to backtrack a minute. Um, when Bucky is in that, where that scene where um, Zemo's like, you have to act the part of the soldier. And Bucky switch like flips just like that. I feel like there's a part of Bucky that just kind of wouldn't mind going back to that mindlessness a little bit. Well, I I, I would probably disagree with that because no, he wouldn't yeah. he wouldn't he wouldn't make such a effort. big thing about yeah wouldn't make such an effort in in doing his kind of make amends kind of stuff. That's true, but it's still way too easy. Yeah, because yeah, he flipped that switch like that. And I was just like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, I mean, mind you, he's been like that. I mean, I, well, I don't think we actually know how much active time he's had. Right. Because assuming that he gets aged like Steve does after 100 years, he's been on ice for a lot of that. So, <laughs> But Sam is a sweetheart for constantly yeah. checking on him. Yes. Even yeah. though they fight, Sam's always looking over. Are you okay? Are you good? Yeah. Well, that's just I, part of who Sam yeah. is. Because, you know, he's a VA, he knows. I, I think, again, going back to kind of the conversation I had with a, a friend of mine yesterday, it's very much like, um, you know, they, they want to put that kind of seemingly, ah, oh, we don't like each other, we hate each other, we're so, you know, misunderstood. <laughs> but they're <laughs> kind they of that, don't. that sort of they're... thing. But they absolutely don't. They absolutely don't. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's like, it, it's like, it is literally like brothers, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know. He's and like, he got I, him I back for the chair. Brother. He got him back for the seat in the car. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, I was waiting for it. That's oh, I just I love this. It. There is so many plot points now that this show is needs to like that wrap up, and it feels it feels to me like you know is three episodes going to be enough? But then it will. That's a movie. It, like, That's a whole I, movie to get it wrapped up. <laughs> as long as they don't I know, get but... more people. <laughs> 
that's what I mean. I'm just worried that they're going to come in episode four and go, oh, there's also this guy. But yeah, I mean, you've got the, the power broker yet to appear. The Dora Milaje is hunting Zemo. That's now a thing. The power the broker smashes. might not appear. Yeah. I don't expect They don't have the power- to. Yeah, I don't expect wow. the power broker wow. to appear at all. I feel like that's going to be something going forward into other issues. I think they're just going to keep that power broker a mystery. I don't I don't feel like we're going to get a reveal of who the power broker is this for this I, I don't know cuz I kind of I kind of feel like he's going to be tied to or or she is going to be tied to both sides. I think it's going to be that they are going to tie it to potentially tie it to Captain America as well as uh the flag smashers. So, you know, Anyway. Well, yeah, the power broker is going to have their <laughs> hand in everything because they're the power yeah. broker. But I also feel like that's going to be an, another movie going forward. I don't feel like it's going to be resolved in this series. Yeah, but uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, 120 minutes. Like you said, it's a whole movie, but, you know. <laughs> a lot can happen in a whole the, movie yeah. and a lot they're going to say for future for future movies, I bet. So I don't think this is the last we'll see. I'm sure Sam is going to get his own. At least I hope Sam gets a solo film. Um, going forward, we'll see. But yeah, I mean that's uh, that's Falcon and Winter Soldier then. Uh, Shall we talk we... some comics? Yes, let's do that. So I guess we'll talk about Beta Ray Bill issue one, shall we? Fine. What a fun comic! I love that issue. It was so good. The writer and artist is Daniel Warren Johnson. Colors by Mike Spicer. Lettering by Joe Sabino and D- Daniel Warren Johnson. Cover artist. Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. There are also a bunch of variant covers. One by Walt Simonson. Yay! And Laura Martin, Chase Conley, Todd Nowick and Rochelle Rosenberg, Ryan Stegman and Frank Martin, and Iban Coelho and Jesus Arbatov. The logo is by Stacey Zucker. Assistant editor is Kat Gregorowitz and editor Will Moss. I have to say that the fact that they are including the logo designers like all the time now yep. is uh, is really good. Got you yeah. got to uh, big ups to our graphic designers at Marvel. <laughs> and I, I think it's just great that Daniel is doing both the story and the art. Yes, because yeah. when Beta Ray Bill debuted in Thor three hundred thirty seven in nineteen eighty three, it was during Walt Simonson's Thor run where he was doing the story and the art. That's very cool. Yeah. And I love the fact that the most famous Thor cover doesn't have Thor on it. <laughs> uh, that is pretty good, actually. I do like that. <laughs> yes. what, you think of a Thor cover, you think of the Beta Ray Bill cover. That's awesome. Oh, I think of the Thor cover and I think of the Jane Foster Thor cover because that's how new I am to comics. But, you know, sorry. <laughs> but I just love Daniel Warren Johnson. He did Wonder Woman Dead Earth which is amazing. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've heard good things about that book. Yeah, it, it's but... it's dark. You know, it's a dark post-apocalyptic story, but it still has a lot of heart. He's a great mm. writer. He really is, yeah. I, was I read this his this. first book work he's done for Marvel? He did the art for the Quake one-shot. That's why I love the Quake one-shot. That's it? Oh, and wow. I think that's it. I'm surprised. I really love that Quake one-shot. If you haven't read it, it's really good. Is that the one that came out for the 50th anniversary of, yeah. uh, yes. was it Shield yeah. or something? Yeah. yeah, he didn't write it, but he did the art. Yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and... yeah. I mean, for me, I, I don't think I've personally read a Daniel Warren Johnson book. Um, I'm going to keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for now. And his commissions are amazing. He's represented by Felix Comic Art, and 
I know my brother calls them 80% commissions because a lot of them are 80% background, which you don't see a lot in commissions. They're awesome. So the the story starts with a brief recap of what turned Bill into a horse face guy. Yeah. Why on earth did I have him mixed up with the Chimelians? (laughs) <laughs> well they have horse horse heads but they have like legitimate horse heads not yeah. horse skull heads i think i think for some reason in my head i just i just had them mixed up and i really need to read my uh beta ray bill origins so he's got on that <laughs> so bill's rallying the asgardians to face off against a nullified fin fang foom i laughed really hard at that could, but, you know it could have been anything just any random threat but it was a nullified fin fang foom to get our king in black tie-in <laughs> This was like the loosest of loose tie-ins to the King in Black, though. Like, <laughs> it's like you said, it could have been literally anything, and it would have been fine. Yeah, but but Vin Fang Foom. I mean, yeah. who doesn't? <laughs> it was great. At least he didn't try to put anybody in his pants this time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah good point. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't go well, and Thor arrives to save the day. Thor expresses his disappointment that Bill couldn't handle it himself, and Bill reminds him that uh, he's the one who destroyed Stormbreaker, so he was kind of at a disadvantage. Right. And that happened in Donny Cates' run, I think, in issue number three. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Beta Ray Bill came in that. I haven't actually read that one. I I was so impressed with the first issue of his run, and I haven't read it since. (laughs) Yeah, Bill, Bill tries to stop Thor, who's now the you know, the Herald of Galactus. Hmm. And Thor throws the hammer and Bill catches it before it can go back to Thor. And so Thor summons Stormbreaker and breaks it. One knob. Yeah. (laughs) Freaking Thor. (laughs) So at the celebration later, everybody's fawning over Thor and Bill's kind of salty because Thor came in and stole his thunder. (laughs) No pun intended. But, um, And then Sif shows up and she and Bill break away for a little romantic interlude, which is cut short when she finds out that without Stormbreaker, he can't change back to his humanoid form. Oh, Sif. So vain. And a distraught Bill leaves in Scuttlebutt to go find Odin and get him to make him a new hammer. Poor Bill. I I think, fingers crossed, that he finds him. I really... You know what I really want is just him to some point find Lockjaw. That's what I want. I want one of those. I want one of those adventures, I guess, referenced in uh, in that book that we don't like to talk about. Hey, Lockjaw <laughs> yeah. knows if you need him. Yeah, he'll show yeah. up. Yeah, but I got some major Marsha, Marsha, Marsha vibes off this book. And in the background, whenever he's near a video screen, he's got Pan. Playing. Yeah, that that and that scared me. me. Especially all the Rufio references, that that concerns me we, greatly. We know what happens to Rufio. We do. Who's second best to Pan. And it, but yeah, what what a what a thing to pick though, because um, Bill has that red crest on his helmet, and Rufio's got the red mohawks. Yeah, that that was a good connection. Yeah. I, I had to do a lot of googling, a lot of YouTube watching last night to uh, <laughs> to understand these references. You've never seen Pan. I've never oh, seen Pan, and oh, I've never seen the Brady Bunch. I'll try either. not to. Well, we've already spoiled it for you. Yeah, things it's, don't it's, work I, out I, for the kid yeah. named Rufio. Yeah, he, I, I, I did. Uh, I, I did read up all about it, and I was like, huh, okay. Well, that's not fun. 
it's, no, it's a it's, good movie though. It's a great movie. And, It'll make you cry. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and then the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha reference from the Brady Bunch. That was uh, yeah. Yeah. Had to do that it's as well. Such had a to baby. find that. Well, I, I don't. I don't think the Brady Bunch has ever been particularly big here. So yeah. But yeah, I am. You know, <laughs> I am. I am the baby of the group, apparently. Yeah. No. Oh. But, I'm oh, still I'm... hung up on the pan, though. That just makes me feel a little sick. <laughs> I'm like, and, oh. And very, very worried for poor Bill. Yeah. That's who we're going to compare him to. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. It, it was just heartbreaking at the end with, I'm going to make myself beautiful again. Oh. That poor guy. Yeah. yeah it feels it feels kind of crappy that he's doing it just to kind of like, just because he got turned down by a, by a woman i think i feel like that's a bit yeah if she, if she doesn't love I, you and you're a horse face monster she doesn't love you and and yeah. i feel like i feel like that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back yeah for for poor bill um yeah there's i see a lot of similarities to the thing with that aspect of him because ben was always concerned about his appearance and that you know, he was just a monster that nobody could ever love bill needs to find his alicia uh, sorry, yeah, this is kind of why I mentioned Lockjaw as well because Lockjaw is a dog, and as we know, dogs just give the purest love for their owners and, and people. And they yes. don't care what you look like. Lockjaw is also friends with the thing. Yes. Yeah. Who yeah, is exactly. Lockjaw not friends with? Mr. Horse. <laughs> he is not friends with Mr. Horse. <laughs> I was gonna oh, say, he, and then like I asked kiss. that question, and then my immediate answer was, no, he, there is someone he is not friends with, um, and it's Mr. Horse. Uh, apparently, they had a battle. I forget what what yeah. series that what? was. That no. was from Thor. That was funny. The one creature in the universe that doesn't like Lockjaw <laughs> because he's a part of a royal family. Oh, Fucking hell. <laughs> Oh. Excuse me, is Asgard not a monarchy? Come on. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, what is he talking about? <laughs> well, Mr. S- Mr. Horse is not one of those posh Asgard ponies. He's he's good Van Yearstock. He's so. a he's a he's a Republican. That's what he is. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so what what do we what do we rate this book then? So I'll give this one a five out of five lockjaws. I I hope Marvel keeps giving Daniel work. Personally, I would love to see him on an Inhumans title. I would love to see him draw Black Bolt and Medusa. Yeah. Oh yes. I, I was I was surprised at how much I kind of I kind of loved his artwork as well, to be honest with you. They're... Because it's it's not typical. It's not like I mean it it's it's kind of a combination of a more kind of classical style and also just brings something a little bit new. And his characters are so expressive. Yeah. You know what they're feeling just by the way he's drawn them. They don't have to say anything. When when I read the issue, I wasn't paying attention who to who did the artwork, and um, I truly did not realize it until it was pointed out this morning when we started talking about it. I was like, "Oh shit!" I had no idea he also did the artwork for it, and um, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. Incredibly talented person to do both as well. <laughs> you know, to be able to draw and write that well, mm-hmm. I think uh, I think it takes an awful lot and. I certainly couldn't do it. I couldn't. <laughs> I can. Yeah. I can barely multitask. So, <laughs> yeah, to do both these things is just it. It just baffles my mind that the kind of people that can do that. It's just. And if you, know. you like it, I highly recommend Wonder Woman: Dead Earth. There's a really nice hardcover edition out of it now that collects the whole thing. 
Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know if it was you that that talked about it, but I've I've been recommended it a couple of times actually, and uh, yeah, I need to, I'm going to have a look at that after this. Did, uh, after did he do recording. The, Did he do both the art yep. and the writing on that too? He did. I think you said that earlier. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to. Yeah, someone to watch. I think someone to watch. I thought, <laughs> hasn't he been around a while? Because I was under the impression that Daniel Warren Johnson is not new. To comics or, in any or, or as a, no. as a Marvel fan, then yes, <laughs> someone um, to watch at Marvel. <laughs> yeah, I think that is the yeah someone to watch at Marvel. I hope he does more Marvel. Yeah, he Marvel does mur- work. He does Murder Falcon. Oh, okay. Never heard of that. Neither have I. Is that from Image or someone? Image, Image. Yeah, okay. Murder yeah. Falcon is from Image. I will have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, definitely keep an eye out on him for Marvel titles. I'm, I'm, I'm primarily a, a Marvel reader, so that's where I'll be looking out for him. Um, but yeah, I'll probably go and check out uh, Murder Falcon over at, uh, at Image at some point, and and the Wonder, Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman title. It's really good. Yeah, I, I, I reckon go and buy this one. <laughs> it's only just issue one, so uh, there's probably still still stock out there if you want to go and buy it. Yes, I I very much like comics that also make me feel emotions for the character, and I definitely had my heart a little bit broken at the end of this for poor Bill. So I'm looking forward too... to the next issue. <laughs> too much for me. It's too many emotions. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me fail things. No, I I would like to be broken a little bit for each issue uh, I read. So oh, then you'll I love under- Wonder Woman Dead Earth. <laughs> yeah, good, good. <laughs> Because I'm, I don't know. I like to feel things when I read my comics, so you know. But uh, but yeah, now we discuss better Ray Bill. Should we go on to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy issue twelve? Let's do it. Okay, so uh, this is yeah, like I said, Guardians of the Galaxy issue twelve, written by Al Ewing. Artist was Juan Cabal. Uh, color was Fred, uh, Federico Blee. Lettering Corey Pettit. Cover artist Rafael Albuquerque and Marcello Maiolo. Apologies if I'm butchering that. Uh, variant covers by Megan Hetrick. Assistant editor was Kat Gregorowitz. And the editor was Darren Shan. And uh, just before we start, at the end of issue 11, I was worried that Nova was going to die because of that ominous <laughs> preview of the cover. And of course he didn't. Of course he's not going to die. <laughs> covers mean nothing. Didn't, didn't, didn't think he no. already died? Wasn't he dead for a few years already? They're not going uh, to yeah. so quickly. Again. I don't know. They've, they've been there before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, at the end of issue 11, the Bowie had been supposedly destroyed and all that kind of stuff. And this this issue kind of opened up with the, the pocket battlefield being used again as a way to protect the crew. And I really like that. It's a super nifty idea. I really wish what it was is, a real thing. What is that called where you have your little, like, get out of jail free card? Oh, it's... Deus ex machina. Yes, thank you. But yeah, that that was a very Al Ewing Grant Morrisony kind of fight, you know, reminiscent of the flube from Royals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but let's talk about Groot going back to speaking Groot. I hated him speaking sentences. It's weird. Balance <laughs> has been restored to the universe. Thank you, Al. Yes, right. Also, um, I like how they used Groot to defeat that one guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and how the Prince of Power was the one that sort of like brought him back because he'd eaten a frigging power stone. The power okay. stone. Okay. Can we can we talk about that? Who all has power stones now? So we've got the Prince of Power with one. We've got Star with Star. another. 
Yeah, I was going to bring yeah. that up as well because it seems really weird that they're kind of like like they're bonding with people. I find that weird. And there, <laughs> they that was accounted for in an issue somewhere, and I can't remember who has it, but like three people or four people now each have their own power stone, and that's obviously building to something. Oh, do you mean an Infinity Stone? Yeah, rather an yeah. Infinity Stone. So, so I got to go back and look, but now we. Yeah, I think that's Cause interesting because it, it's definitely building to something, and it's kind of flying under a lot of people's radars. I think. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, I think in this issue that the Olympians ended up getting their asses kicked to them, asses handed to them very quickly. Uh, I mean, it was a super fun way to wrap them up, but surely they're coming back in the future, right? I mean, they've they've just they've just trapped them again. That's all they've done. Um, and I tell you what, I did find talking of Groot, I found Hermes's destruction really cool. And the other thing is, is we talk about when Al takes really deep cuts and it's not just in Marvel that he does it. He also does it with uh, with Greek mythology as well, because um, with Hermes, he's not just a herald of the gods. He's also uh, like a god of language and a god of boundaries and that sort of stuff. And I found that quite nice. Um, and yeah, the way that they defeated him and kind of put him into Groot's mind was uh, was <laughs> was pretty funny. So and that's yeah. And that's kind of where it links into the whole group, uh, group not talking in actual sentences anymore. <laughs> but also, Filer and Mood Dragon trying to somewhat make amends, even if it was only to release the Dragon of the Moon. That was, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that because it it felt like it was done very quickly and very suddenly. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have a different opinion on that one. Mm, eh. <laughs> I have no opinion at this time. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about either character, truthfully, to feel like I can form an opinion. Mm. I think I thought they'd been building to that for a while with Phyla and Moon Dragon being on the outs. Now that Moon Dragon absorbed her other self, well, I had to admit I did go back through and sort of like pick out a lot of the the Moon Dragon and uh, sort of Phyla conversations, just kind of <clears throat> really just to tie it all together. To be honest with you, and it, was, it it does make a lot of sense in when you read it in context, but. I don't know. I, I just kind of felt like it was very, very quickly done. Um, it wasn't badly done, but it was just it was just done in a. I'm still you know, a very of pages. confused about Phyla and Moon Dragon. I think I just. I think they are as well, to oh. be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, in this book, we also see Athena to be the one to lock her father away because uh, for unknown reasons. <laughs> I didn't know if there was any particular indication as to why. And again, I went back through. I mean, Zeus is kind of a jerk, so I really can't. Well, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, there was no indication prior to this issue as to why Athena wanted to lock him away. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I don't know. But she's a goddess of wisdom. True. <laughs> she could have had a plan the whole time. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I I, I, I wrote down in my notes that she's also the. Herself. Well, I I don't think Athena is that kind of god no, necessarily. She's, she's yeah. um you know she's she's a goddess of warfare, so I think she's probably. Uh, and and wisdom obviously as well. So wisdom and warfare, I think, is uh, goes together. Maybe she's just playing the long game. Um, but it, it did seem like she took a little bit of meaning from Hercules's words uh, uh, during that panel, and just kind of uh, seemingly changed her tact a little bit. But yeah, they're they're, they're going to be coming back, right? <laughs> oh yeah, there's, there's no doubt. I have a um, feeling Al doesn't do anything without a reason. If there's but, one thing we've learned about Al Ewing is that everything he does is a setup for something else later down the line. Yeah, yeah I mean, this issue, I'm just, I 
I don't know about you guys, but I felt a little bit conflicted about this issue. I enjoyed it, but it didn't kind of like hit the spot um, like like other issues have done. Like other issues have done. I think the Greek God kind of saga is, hasn't been particularly engaging for me, and uh, in some ways, I felt like the ending was a little bit rushed. But yeah, I think Al is kind of a slow burn storyteller, and I feel like they had to have him be like, "You need to wrap this up because we have to get on to other things." Because mm. I feel like this could have been really drawn out for another arc or two. Truth be told. Well, they're not gone. No. Okay. <laughs> they're not. Yeah. He, he's he's saving them to come back yeah. later. Yeah, I think I think there's going to be a you know hopefully the uh, the the satisfying massive god v god conclusion is going to come. So. And they'll be extra irritated because they've been locked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I I think Athena's got some kind of long game, no doubt. I think the fact that she's been drawing on like the tarot cards and that's been a big thing ever since like issue two when she was first kind of reintroduced in the guardians book and yeah yeah but uh going back to phyla and moon dragon those parts were also nice but i think i mentioned before i felt like they might have been been a little bit rushed to get the dragon of the moon out into play and when it does happen it's not for long but also looking forward phyla and moon dragon are on different guardian teams later so We'll see what happens with them, I suppose. Especially considering three months have passed from the current arc to the next arc. Oh, I find that interesting that they gave it a hard time frame. That's interesting. But uh, I like the end where they were like, so uh, we can't really form another Nova Corps, but, uh, you know, you guys want to help yeah. out. You so, guys are a little so bit. <laughs> what, what is more, <laughs> Richard Ryder? What is more? What does more look like? <laughs> Three teams of guardians, <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I really, I did enjoy the book, but uh, yeah, I, I'm just hoping moving into like issue thirteen and onwards, we have kind of like either one consistent story for a couple of arcs, um, and that's kind of my only gripe about this series. It is by it been both very character centric, but also tried to be a team book at the same time, and. Yeah, I wrote down in my notes something else, which I think is going to basically uh, be a bit hypocritical. But also, you know, he could go down the route of doing like a one and done kind of book, you know, with the different teams, go out and deal with different threats and that kind of stuff in each book. Or in but... each arc. I could see him doing that with each arc. Like the next arc, we have one team. The arc after that's another team. Yeah, yeah. But uh, just a quick one on, on Greek gods. If you guys are interested in reading about Greek gods... <laughs> Uh, I mentioned it before, but Mythos and Heroes by Stephen Fry are really good. Uh, if you want to, if you want to read about them or learn about your Greek gods and or or Stephen Fry's interpretation at least is is very good. I'll have to check it out. Oh, excuse me. We're also we're also getting Doom in Space. Doom in Space is coming right. soon. <laughs> and right after he got married, what's up with that? Yeah. No. <laughs> we'll find um, out soon. And also, yeah. uh, Billy and uh, Billy and Teddy on the Guardians team coming up. Um, Billy yep. is is or Teddy should be ruling, but apparently Teddy. he wants to be on a. He's on a, a very proactive uh, emperor, I guess. Very hands on. Yeah. <laughs> but the the interesting thing is, if you look at the solicitations, um, a few issues down the line, it does have a uh, Guardians v Sword issue, potentially an arc in there. So I'm quite intrigued to see that because we obviously we had the ending to Empire and the fact that um, the fact that they the, the sword team came in and were like yeah we're the we're tying up forward. basically yeah the little flash forward in there 
So wonder where this is leading to. Uh, yeah, some X Men and uh, versus Guardians. So who's vying for some power in the universe? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't again. Sword, I've been getting it, but I just haven't read it yet. So <laughs> I need to catch up so badly. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, moving into kind of the next few arcs, we've also got some new villains, some new enemies. What do we think? I'm thinking maybe they're tied into this new cosmic threat that's coming that everybody keeps hinting about. I I clearly have missed it. So where are we seeing these hints? Because I don't read too much cosmic uh, Marvel outside of Guardians. Fantastic Four. Oh. Yep. Um, okay. And the end of Empire when oh, yeah. the Watcher recruits Nick Fury. Yes. Yeah. For uh, the mysterious mission. Yes. A new yeah. old, isn't it like a new oldest old. threat? The, the oldest, oldest <laughs> Marvel race the, is on its way. The new oldest, oldest, yeah. newest, newest, oldest. Yeah. <laughs> However you want to say it is probably correct. Right. <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, for this issue, let me just, I'll just give my, I'll give my lockjaw rating before we, <laughs> before we go down the, the route of the oldest, newest. Um, yeah. I, I gave this one a three, 3.5 out of five. I, I couldn't quite bring myself to give it a four out of five because it it it, it just didn't hit the spot for me. I so, can I can go with that. Yeah, it wasn't the epic finale that I was hoping for. And I think I think I've just been you know I've just been uh, treated too much with Empire and the ending to Empire and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> I think that's what's skewed it slightly. That could do it. Uh, so yeah, so uh, that was Guardians of the Galaxy issue twelve. Issue thirteen is out April fourteenth. So yeah, I, I highly recommend it, and I'd highly recommend seeing where they go. I especially want to see what Doctor Doom is doing on a Guardians team, and I kind of want to see how it relates to the wedding of Doctor Doom as well. I mean, is this the honeymoon, or is it you know, <laughs> is married bliss not as blissful as he thought? <laughs> um, well, we all he well, Dan Slott's spoiled who Doom's marrying, so you know. Yeah. I called that out, by the way. I was right. I, I, I'm just going to say it. I was right. I just wonder if he's marrying her so he can leave her in charge while he goes off to space. That's exactly <laughs> what he's doing. Are you kidding me? That's exactly <laughs> oh, what he's God. doing. Okay, be in charge. Bye, honey. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if, if you if you haven't had it spoiled for, for you yet, then hopefully I haven't spoiled anything else for you. But <laughs> I don't think we really did. We didn't say. We didn't say who it was. We, we didn't say. No, that's true. But... Uh... Other than that, I was right. So if you listen to previous episodes, then you'll figure it out. Let us move to Champions Issue 5, which brings us back down to Earth from our previous two uh, comics that we discussed. A bit too hard as well. Oh, seriously, that's a wake-up call. Um, so this is writer Eve Ewing's last um, issue on the Champions before we uh, move into our next author, who I only can remember as Dogs on Twitter, and that is very horrible of me. But anyway, uh, Champions number 5, writer Eve L. Ewing, artist Bob Quinn, uh, colorist Federico Blee, lettering VCs Clayton Cowles, cover artist is Tony Infanti, uh, variant cover artist is Sarah Pacelli, with graphic designer Carlos Lau, assistant editor Martin Biro, and editor Alana Smith. Um, so the girls are uh, up past curfew at the re-education center with quotes um, and getting told off about it. Um, <laughs> talk about indoctrination. Um, yeah. Yeah, this this entire thing just reeks of like awful dictatorships. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
uh yeah and i mean i i was i've done a lot of like youtube surfing over the past week because i've been off work and i had a nice week off and i was i was doing some looking at some videos about north korea and stuff one of the interesting things about north korea is that apparently they they have radios in people's houses and they're literally hardwired into the electricity and they blast out propaganda when the electricity could be spared to do that and it's like it's weird and awful and it just made me remember that and made me go through that in my mind it's just like oh yeah horrible they're not they're not really going for subtlety here no No, they're not but (laughs) but also like throughout the issue you can really see how they did one over on bombshell and uh i i wonder if that's going to play out in miles book at all probably not but i really think it should because bombshell she's uh she's on it man they they got her good and I, it's kind of heartbreaking. Moving on, uh, Viv has recruited Amadeus Cho, aka Braun, for help um, to help save the rest of the champions. But he has to make sure his hair looks great first. I <laughs> what, I don't know what, if you caught that panel though. I laughed. I thought that was I, amazing. I, when did he lose his like totally awesome Hulk moniker? When the Hulk came back, I think. Oh, uh, that was a shame. I mean, uh, I I didn't realize he changed his uh, changed his uh, superhero name. Yeah, and he's on the Agents of Atlas, so I guess that's why uh, Viv was able to recruit him, because he had his sponsorship team. Um, also, I think he might be an adult now. I don't know. But uh, that, that drive-by <laughs> panel where he's like looking in the window to, like, to make sure his hair looks good. <laughs> that's, that's so him, though. It is! Yeah. I thought it was fantastic, and I don't know if Eve worked that into the script or not, or if that was just all of Bob Quinn, but I thought that was um, a great panel. Um, but kind of what broke my heart is when Viv shows up to break the other champions out of the re-education center, all the other kids who are there, like, you're just here for the champions, and, um, Starling, what's her name? I can't remember her name. Uh, she's like, no, if you fight for the good, then you're a champion, and I just, I just felt like, you know, these kids thought that, you know, they weren't, they were going to be abandoned to this re-education center by the champions, and thankfully they weren't. But I think I, th- I think that comes with the indoctrination as well, though. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like they're made, made to feel like, you know, they're not going to get saved and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, they, um, yeah. But the, yeah. the Tiana, Tiana Toomes. Yes. The granddaughter of the Vulture. Yes. And what's her her superhero name? Starling, right? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was right. Starling. OK, good. OK, good. I was right. All right. Um, but the the breakout is a success and Riri's mother is absolutely the best mom. Um, but Amadeus owes Riri a door. I, I love the U-turn yeah. <laughs> that Riri's mum has had over the last sort of like six years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because when she first saw the suit that Riri had made in, uh, in her dorm room in MIT, she was so against it and she was so dead set against it. And now she's like, hey, you're a hero now. Yeah, she's <laughs> just kind of... It- accepted that riri is who she is and she's not going to yeah. change her so she might as well support her yeah I, I i love that and i i i went back and actually read that invincible iron man book and i was just like this is such a fantastic turnaround and it's it's like it's it's so wholesome it was so nice it was <laughs> it really was um and the team is reunited with viv coming clean to the rest of the team that she was the one who was telling everyone where they were because um cradle really didn't have the resources to do that 
other than with those help. Um, the team is is rightfully mad, especially with how they were were treated by Cradle, but also they um, were very, I feel, quick to forgive Viv. Um, well, I, I this kind of which is reminded... good. I, I'm glad they grudge wasn't held, but yeah, yeah absolutely. But it, it kind of reminds me of um, like Vision during Captain America: Civil War, where like he was making logical decisions based upon the facts that he was given in terms of like you know uh, ever since Iron Man. Uh, revealed himself in in 2008 there's been an exponential growth in threats bloody blah, blah blah right you know it, it was like a fact-based decision and everything he was given given and in this comic book she's not been given all of the facts so she's just operating on what she's been given and I, I kind of I kind of like that and it kind of makes her it kind of shows the fact that she she's she's taking literal she's taking literal of the data she's been given and she bases yeah. it all yeah. on her data that she's given but when she gets additional data that shows it she changes her mind yeah and it kind of shows the difference between potentially the way she thinks compared to the way that the other guys she, think yeah I'm, she thinks very i mean she's a synthesizer so she thinks exactly. very much in an analytical matter she rather takes it after than her dad yeah yeah she's definitely exactly. her father's daughter yeah and it was nice it was nice to see that kind of difference and you right. know I, I quite liked it Yes, um, but you know Amadeus, being him, the nerd that he is, he downloaded all the footage from the reeducation center. So they used that to um, tell the world exactly what was going on. So naturally, um, the senator is dealing with a huge amount of backlash. Um, and Roxanne uh, shows up to make their intentions known. Um, that you know they he has to double down on this. Um, cradle law or uh, kamala's law and uh thankfully the senator sides with the champions after they show up uh to point yeah it all out this 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 was a bit of a a sad commentary on the world as it is at the moment i i was genuinely very surprised at quite how political oh this i was it's eve ewing are you kidding what what is her she she's a professor for this sort of thing at um a university in chicago isn't she like yeah yeah but i mean does. i'm not surprised it got political at all but I mean, I was I was after reading stuff like uh, you know um, the Ironheart series and that kind of stuff, and then coming to this, I'm like, wow, okay, oh <laughs> we go God. in there. Oh yeah, she's I <laughs> and, love uh, reviewing, and I hope we get more Marvel books from her. I was kind of sad they moved her off the book, but I'm also excited for where the book's going. But but yes, yeah, so, I mean, I I was I was surprised because she, like, she was commenting on the fact that there are companies out there who back politicians, you know, across the globe to kind of forward the the company's agenda. And, you know, this is just kind of like a prime example of them forwarding an agenda and making some quick cash off a government contract. And it's just oh, like, absolutely. wow, this, yeah. is, this is good. Yeah, it, it is really good. And um, but that's not the end of it, because uh, Roxanne's not changing their stance on anything. Um, so um, I really loved the artwork on this series, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't excited for uh, Luciano Vecchio's um, art duties. So we got a little bit of a a preview of what's to come and um it looks like uh they're going to be building off of what eve's uh put down so we've got miles and uh sam going undercover at roxanne um to see what they're really up to uh and i'm i'm really looking forward to that so uh i gave this one four out of five lock jaws because uh eve was not afraid to go down the road she went down <laughs> yeah she was not <laughs> no and i i'm like damn straight i was really happy that she did actually because um really makes gives you a lot to think about um and i just love eve ewing as a writer i again i really really hope we get more from her in marvel um so we're out of five lock for champions yeah 
Yeah, it's definitely well deserved. Like you said, I think Eve, Eve Ewing is just like fantastic. Um, I think we bring it up every single time about seeing her at C2E2. Uh, <laughs> uh, she was so great at C2E2. She yeah. was so much fun. She's just awesome. I love her. Uh, but but yeah, I, I just, I just, I, I have to admit, I wasn't prepared at how <laughs> political this got and how kind of, how much of a, a parallel on, on real life this was. And it was like, go from Champions 4 to Champions 5 was just like, okay, wow. Um, but yeah, hopefully hopefully she gets more, more work at Marvel. Hopefully she brings back some more books. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all That's all I've got. Um, have we been... Any books to recommend reading that people might not have on their radar? I've got one book that's been taking forever because I'm not all the way through it, so I can't recommend it yet. But we did watch... Not, if we can do movies instead, we watched Godzilla vs. Kong yesterday. Oh, how was that? If I've been like, hearing mixed you know, reactions. Well, if you're not that sensitive and like giant monsters hitting each other, you're going to love it. I felt very bad the whole time because Kong just wants to go home and he wants a family and Godzilla is a giant bully. <laughs> I'm going to tell my friend that because he friggin' loves Godzilla. He, so. <laughs> Godzilla is a bully and I was so mad at him. For picking on poor Kong. And there is a definitive winner. Do you want me to spoil it? I mean, it's obvious. I, yeah, I think it, I've already had it spoiled, so... Yeah, the, the giant radioactive dinosaur wins. It's no surprise. Yeah. Did Mothra come and yeah. shame him, at least? Mothra's not in this one, sadly. That's sad. See, they wouldn't have fought if Mothra showed up. They would have yeah. been like, oh, fuck, Mom's here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> yeah, it just, I but, just... What's the, what's the three-headed one? Ghidra. Dragon thing. G- yeah. That, that's the one I like. <laughs> yeah, well, then you'll like a reference in the movie. Oh. Yeah, I won't spoil yeah, that part I, for you. Okay, but, I'm going to go watch it now. <laughs> but, you know, in the end, Kong does have to come and save Godzilla from Mechagodzilla, even though Godzilla almost killed him. So I think that's a moral victory right there. It's just, I, I, I didn't realize that Godzilla and Mechagodzilla were two different things. I thought Mechagodzilla was like Godzilla in like a Power Ranger suit or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh actually, my god! I had no idea. That's no. Funny. <laughs> I just, I, <laughs> I don't know about kaiju. I'm like, I'm like the least. <laughs> the only thing I know about like like kaiju stuff actually, is actually Adam. The... I'm gonna side with you on this one because I didn't really know that either. <laughs> But I just the, like the idea of a powered up like Dragon Zord Godzilla. That'd be freaking <laughs> awesome. Like he just suits up and he's like, I didn't realize they were really two different either. But that's funny. I like that I, idea I, more. I just the, the the I think the only kind of Godzilla tri- trivia I know of is the fact there's a French band called called Gajira who couldn't call themselves Godzilla due to the fact that for some reason you know they couldn't get the copyright for it, but they could for Gajira. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, it, I, I enjoyed it more, I think, than King of the Monsters because there were more monsters. There was more monster screen time in this. I think. Yeah. Oh, good. And there are some beautiful shots. Yeah, I, I don't doubt. I mean, but... that, that book looked very pretty. Yeah, the book, that film looked very pretty from its, uh, uh, from all of its like promo stuff. But I did not like Godzilla picking on Kong. <laughs> oh, the big it's monkey. The big monkey. Uh, for for me, in terms of books and stuff, I've only bought books. I haven't read anything this uh, so far this month. I've been recording on Sunday, but um, I bought or rebought uh, the Wrong Earth and Dragonfly versus Dragonfly Man uh, from Ahoy Comics. 
Now, I don't know if you guys have, have heard about this one, but this was like a really good take on um, kind of like hero versus hero, but it's a hero versus hero, one from like the dark and gritty sort of like DC universe from like the Dark Knight trilogy and, and movies and stuff. And then the other one is like nice 60s Adam West style Batman. And it, it basically pits the two characters, Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, against each other, and it they, they change reality and all that sort of stuff. It's it's a bonkers ride, yeah, and I just ended awesome. up buying those books. So it, it it is a genuinely really good book. I'd highly recommend those. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's by it's written by Tom Payer, um, and there's a, a whole bunch of illustrators on it. Uh, but yeah, the Wrong Earth Volume One, I rebought that, and then Dragonfly versus Dragonfly Man bought that. Excellent books, really good concept, uh, and Ahoy Comics are doing really, really fun things. They also published. Never heard um, of Ahoy Comics, but it sounds very oh, tidy. They, so they were um, Ahoy Comics were the the ones that I don't know if you remember. DC cancelled a book called The Second Coming, which was just this really <laughs> this really stupid story about the second coming of Jesus and like him coming into like the modern world and stuff. And I need to reread it because I. I as bad as it sounds, I don't remember an awful lot about it, but it was it was such good fun. But Ahoy, Ahoy Comics took that on after DC rejected it after <laughs> uh, after it got quite a substantial uh, kickback from the religious community. So, but I highly recommend them. Even Second Coming is very good. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got. And and oh. the other thing I'm reading is Marvel Two and One. I feel the need to point out that. The greatest manga of all time, The Way of the House Husband, is getting a show on Netflix. Oh, oh yeah! I believe it starts on April 8th. <laughs> Why are you attacking the corner? <laughs> it looks I, fantastic. I, I, I have got the, <laughs> the volume one of that in my Amazon basket. <laughs> and I need to order it because it just sounds excellent. It is pure, wholesome fun. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to that, um, especially now that I've seen the trailer for it. Um, did, oh did, Len's been telling me to get this for a long time, and I just like yeah, I me to, too. Yeah. I need to, I need to get this. Um, it looks hysterical. Yeah, did did um, didn't you say that there was also a live action? Yeah, there's a live action one. <laughs> I have to find it. It's like it. Uh, yeah, I, this is a thing I mean, it's that called you... Way of the House Husband. How can it not be fantastic? <laughs> It's just all all of the all of the screenshots you send me are just like it just it makes me howl with laughter and it's just like I need <laughs> I need this book. Um and then and then talking about kaiju, the other thing I've got in my Amazon basket is the, the Ultraman mangas. Awesome. Because Ultraman. <laughs> How has the comic been? Has anyone read it? I read the first one, The Rise of Ultraman, which was pretty good. I mean, for a person that's never heard of Ultraman before, it was very good. I think uh I think Lynn's brother is much more of a fan than i am so <laughs> so he'll I'll be he'll to, be the person to I ask i'll have to ask the brother unit lynn's brother unit about that then i was wondering about it because i just remember ultraman from when i was little like there was like a tv show or something yeah but i didn't watch it because uh, i liked power rangers more i don't know <laughs> i was so into power rangers as a kid anyway <laughs> like mecha godzilla <laughs> we have some uh inhumans coming up in uh, Fantastic Four with Crystal returning. So uh, stay tuned for our thoughts on that one. Yeah. Yep, that's in May. Oh, just a month to go. Yeah, Where is this year going? <laughs> how is it nearly? Crazy. How is it April? 
Time goes by faster the older you get. Yeah, I know it's spring. I know it's spring because the mallard duck showed up today. <laughs> and that's duck the second. Uh, so that's the second most depressing thing yeah. <laughs> that you've said today, Sarah. Because <laughs> now I just feel old. You're welcome. But... Speaking of ducks, did you read uh, Matt Rosenberg's mother's story about the geese in their yard? Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> if if you have to deal with Canadian geese, you understand. Yes. That's like there was so, an am I am I the asshole about someone who feeds the ducks and the geese in their backyard and their neighbors mad because they can't sell their house because the neighbor's house is just covered with ducks and geese <laughs> and they feel that they shouldn't have to stop feeding the ducks because that's their right and you know, yeah first of all my first I'm thinking well if you want your angry neighbor to go away stop feeding them for a while. And then you can start again when he, he leaves. But I understand where the neighbor's coming from because if these are Canadian geese, they will vengeance. They choose violence every time. <laughs> they do. They Let are giant. They are vicious. They poop everywhere. <laughs> Just nasty green poop everywhere. So, so let me tell you the story of when I was a little kid. My sister... Um, took me and a friend uh, to the local state park to ride our bikes. And there was this guy feeding the geese who were Canadian geese bread. And he ran out of bread and the geese <gasps> did not like it. And they no. attacked his ass. Yeah. Like he was trying to run away and they were like going after him. And I was like, he, he got away eventually because people helped them like chase the geese off. But like they had him by the pants. Mm -hmm. and because he ran out of bread and he didn't have anything else to give them and they got pissed and i was like yeah. damn and they're also, loud they are loud and they will like they could kill you a flock of them yeah. will kill a person yeah the, the cemetery behind my house the, the geese love to hang out in there and when they fight it sounds like they're in the house with you yeah amazing <laughs> you don't fuck with geese i mean swans are terrifying geese are worse yeah i mean I don't feed ducks or geese. So. Well, don't feed wild <laughs> animals, comment. period. Because have you seen the guy with the raccoons at his house? Have you seen that video? No. Oh, yeah. No. The guy The guy was had uh, like 75 raccoons outside his house because he was trying to feed stray cats and he wound up feeding the stray raccoons instead. <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't feed wild animals, guys. It, it doesn't end well. Anyway, on that note... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so uh so I guess that's the end of the episode. So uh remember guys if you want to get into contact with us or share anything with us, remember you can get into contact with us. Our email is the show at atalanrising.com and uh, our Twitter is at atalanrising1. We we read everything we get sent and uh and and if you send a comment, send a send anything to us, you might get your name put into a prize drawer at some point this year. <laughs> I have so right. much stuff. <laughs> so many take, things to give away. Lynn's take box Lynn's of stuff. goodies. But yeah, so if you want to, if you want to get entered into that, then feel free to send us a comment and share your thoughts, and and we'll read them out and uh, questions, everything. But yeah, thank you for listening, and uh, see you next episode. <laughs>